0: Welcome to the Paperfold. I am your host, Sarah. Before I get to my guest today, I just wanted to remind you all that submissions for the Noted at Noted Product Awards are open through April 18th, and you don't have to be an exhibitor to enter. We have 10 great categories, including one just for retailers. Show us your card wall. For more information, head on over to thepapernerd.com. I have a dedicated post on it as well as a button running along the right side that you can click to get started. My guest today is Erica Firm, who, as you'll hear, has worn many hats throughout her rather prolific career. I first met Erica when she was running her own brand, Delphine. At that time, she was one of probably dozens upon dozens of indie letterpress brands, but her colorful approach to the rather rigid medium differentiated her from the start. When she closed that brand, Erica shifted her focus to more of a collaborative approach with existing brands, big and small, taking advantage of any opportunity to um Create work without having to warehouse physical product. For that reason, Erica was an early maker to distinguish herself on Minted, where she's won 128 awards and counting so far. Meanwhile, Erica has literally collaborated with gift and stationery brands from A to Z, from Anthropology to Zazzle. As I mentioned, Erica has a really amazing eye for color as well. While she is very partial to green, she has a great sort of innate understanding of unexpected color combos which combined with her flair for styling makes every styled shot she generates both memorable and magnificent. Whatever role you play in stationery, you can benefit from her wisdom and with all that said, it's not really surprising that it was Erica's once rather exclusive birthday parties held off-site during national stationery show that evolved into the unforgettable paper parties that became the must-attend event and must-get-goody-bag of National Stationery Show. You can imagine I have a million questions for her, which we'll get to right after this. paper peeps. So by now, many of my listeners are familiar with the force of stationary nature, better known as Girl with Knife. But if you aren't, time to change all that. From the first moment I spied her booth at her New York Now trade show debut in 2019, I was smitten with this cutting edge range that the world was calling out for. We all just didn't know it yet. Everything is nimbly collaged to life, slice by careful slice, by the talented and exquisite Alicia Castaldi. This stylish collection of cards, journals, and notepads that have sprung to life under this fashionista's exacting knife is sharp snarky, sleek, and occasionally very sweet, just like that BFF who would love to hear from you right now. For that reason, whenever I get my hands on Girl with Knife merchandise, I hoard it and use it most sparingly. Alicia recently launched Gift Wrap, and if you're already a fan of her range, you're familiar with her patterns and quality, but these super thick sheets elevate any gift from off-the-rack to atelier. Her recent releases of Midnight Botanical, Rare Creatures, and Chase. And dreams bring the total styles that slay up to 10. And if you're like me and that you fall in love with a range and want to reside in that world, you're in luck. Alicia recently unveiled Knife House, which was one of the few good things I can think of that came out of 2020. That was when Alicia shifted her operation from L.A. to this newly renovated concept home in Palm Springs. This completely private, walled, and gated estate features panoramic mountain views and countless luxe surprises. Take a tour through its magnificent blush pink doors at www.knifehousepalmsprings.com or find it on Instagram at Knifehouse Palm Springs. Good luck getting your jaw off the floor as you take in this perfect California adult playground. These glamorous digs are available for photo shoots, film projects, special events, and short-term rentals. But just as importantly, all that exquisite Palm Springs flora and fauna have inspired Alicia's soon-to-be-released journal and notepads. She tells me that they're also expanding into home decor, which I, for one, absolutely can't wait to see. So now that you've glimpsed this wonderful world, you need this cutting-edge lifestyle brand in your life. Find Girl with Knife in hundreds of shops across the U.S. and half over half a dozen countries. Alicia and Girl with Knife have also been featured in New York Magazine, LA Business Journal... BuzzFeed, and of course, Stationary Trends. I've run her work there countless times. Alicia was one of our 10 designers to watch in 2020 and proceeded to live up to that designation when last May, two out of her three nominated cards took chap honors at the Noted and Noted Virtual Greeting Card Competition. Then for our winter 2021 issue of Stationary Trends, Alicia designed the 10 designers to watch Frontispiece for us. It is something else if you haven't seen it yet. Also, as of 2021, Alicia is represented by none other than the Daniel Richard showrooms in Atlanta and Dallas. Dan's eye is renowned in this biz, so his representing Girl with Knife is unsurprising, but it also means that this brand needs to be on your design radar stat. Check out this beguiling range at the recently refreshed GirlwithKnife.com. Right now the theme is Season of Fierce. And I think we can all use one of those about now. I guarantee your stationery will slay. Erica,
1: welcome to the paper fold. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm excited to be here.
0: So I'm just going to get into it. Um, You've gone on quite a design journey in the long span of time I've known you, uh, from running a small stationery and invitation brand, Delphine, to licensing your own work and working with other makers on their own branding. Everything you do is obviously informed by your eye for color and design Now, everyone thinks that they have the best taste, but yours I find really exquisite in that I always love whatever it is that you come up with. Um, How would you describe your aesthetic?
1: Oh, my. First of all, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. Um, You've seen everything that's out there. And for you to say that, that's
0: really special. Thank you. You always dazzle, like whatever it is, like whenever I would get like a Dropbox from you, I'm like, oh boy, I know this is going to be good. And it's it's uh, never what I thought it was going to be. And that's, you know, to be able to pull that out of your head over and over again is no small skill. So Thank you. Um,
1: how would I describe my aesthetic?
0: Um,
1: I would say, first of all, it's it's more analog versus digital. Um, I, I try to work on the iPad and in vector um, and I just always feel more comfortable um, working by hand. So I would say my, all of my work, no matter the medium has a little bit of the hand drawn element to it. It's pretty naive. I'm not, um, I'm not precious. I'm not like very technical. I'm not a technical illustrator. Um, or artist, I've actually never taken an art class. Wow. Um, I mean, I've taken a few Skillshare classes here and there um, in the past year or so because pandemic. Um, <laughs> but before that, never took, an, never took an art class. So I would say it's like naive. It's imperfect. Um, I ins- I learned pretty early on that I wasn't going to be putting onto the page what I had in my head. And so I had to learn to just accept that. And now I just embrace that. So like everything's a little bit wonky and that's okay.
0: That's great. That's great. It's funny because I would not think if you asked me to describe your aesthetic, I would have come up with something totally different. But yet it what you've said completely <laughs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> there is there is a very organic quality to yeah. your work. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um to me, color is such a big component of it, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, I, like color. I know, I know. And I will talk, I will wax eloquent about it until the cows come home. And I think you would join me. Um, over time, I mean, what what year did you start um, um, Delphine? That was late. I, I started it
1: in 2003. And the uh-huh. first time I um sold it like you know brought the product public and sold i sold wholesale um was 2004 okay my son was four months old and um, <laughs> i went to new york with a friend and we um during the stationery show and i couldn't afford and i didn't really have enough product to you know, have a booth so i did uh, an off-site <laughs> event i invited um buyers store owners and um We had like got a hotel suite. It was really fun. So that was 2004, but I started the company in 2003. Oh,
0: wow. I bet it, I bet it was, I bet your suite was fabulous. I remember going to, I mean, obviously it's been a long time, but I mean, they use like hotel, I mean, I don't, that's not the right term. Sweet parties during a market used to be like very common. And it's something that, I mean, well, maybe they'll come back when we have markets again. Um, But your uh, brand, you know, your your brand evolution, like when I think of Delphine, I think of um, like, um, like a lot of like, like vintage imagery sort of presented in more of like a modern, um, uh, color palette. Um, how would you say your brand, your brand or your aesthetic has evolved over the, like since those days when you first started a paper company?
1: Um, I would say the, the organic, na- the organic quality and the interest in nature is still around. And my interest in color is obviously still around. I love color. Um, But when I started Delphine, it was a very deliberate choice um, to do something that was a modern, slightly modern take on what traditional stationers wanted. So Mm -hmm. at the time, I was in a very traditional role of like wholesale. So my customer essentially was the store owner. And at that time, it was pretty traditional. So I went with like um, a kind of a romantic, traditional um, aesthetic.
0: Yeah, and and I think something important to note also is that at that time when you started Delphine, letterpress was everywhere. Every other brand at NSS was a letterpress brand. So uh, distinguishing yourself in that space, you know, might have been your major challenge and you you always did. I mean, your brand looked fresh and didn't look mm-hmm. like anybody else at the show. You know, from- I was. I
1: really experimented a lot with color, um, where at the time, Letterpress, you know, because of the process itself, you're essentially limited to one or two colors, mm-hmm. um, ink colors. And so I really looked at the paper as that third color to add some dimension and depth to the to the products. Um, and so I just, I lo- like my favorite day of the year was the paper show, like that, like, not stationary show, the paper show, like for the paper mills had a show in San Diego once a year. And I would go and I would just get like a giant backpack full of swatches and just and take them to my pressman and be like, What do you think about this? Could we print on this? And we tried, God bless him, Larry was awesome. He would print on anything. He would try anything. <laughs> so, like, you know, we we tried all the different papers and we ended up with some really fun products um where that were colorful and everybody else was printing on white
0: right no everyone was i mean it was all white paper and white envelopes at that time mm -hmm. and that was just sort of like where the aesthetic was and that was already a huge improvement about from where stationery was like previously paper peeps. So Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for a while now. So hopefully many of my listeners are familiar with not just the dazzling wares from this Chicagoland house of paper, but also its amazing founder, a force of nature better known as Catherine Hildner. This mom of two with another scheduled to arrive soon has created a most intoxicating stationary range. I define the Kitty Meow aesthetic as polished and Very smart. Think of the sharpest outfit you own that you feel like a million bucks in, but in stationary form. Everything from typography to envelope choice comes together to pack a most enticing punch. But this range is not just about the surface. It's about honoring those connections with those we care about most. And you'll see once you visit kittymeowboutique.com that the wares are divided into witty and sweet because as Catherine puts it, sometimes you feel a little saucy and sometimes you don't. But Kitty Meow Boutique is so much more than just another pretty face in the marketplace. The empowering messaging found on her cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, and enamel pins elevates the range into something that makes you feel not just seen, but good about yourself too. Everything is essentially a little lift visually and emotionally for not just those you love, but you as well. Not only is Kitty Meow available for your personal shopping needs, it's also available wholesale to all those shops looking for something new with which to excite their customers. She's on FAIR. Visit kittymeowboutique.fair.com and get your shop started. Finally, I think what I love about Catherine most is that she is really all about living your best life, as you'll see for yourself beneath the education tab on her site. She offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have a love for paper and giftable items, who have an idea and a plan, but need guidance and support to be successful in their efforts. I so agree with Catherine. It's so important to be surrounded by like-minded women and leaders who are willing to put in the work to lift each other up. For that reason, it's not a course. It's a friggin' transformation, people. And Catherine has also started my second favorite podcast, Dreams to Plants, with another brilliant force of nature, my girlfriend Renee, to elevate your daydreams to actual, tangible plants. Oh, and if you're on Clubhouse, follow Kitty Meow so you can tune in to her weekly room Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called Small Business Savvy, Insider Secrets You Need to Know. I checked it out for myself last week, and it was just the dose of inspiration and confidence my day needed. So get those good vibes going at kittymeowboutique.com and tell them Sarah sent you. Thing that distinguishes your work, um, other than your really amazing sense of color, is your styling finesse. So you have such an amazing touch. Um, like I know several years back, I wanted to run one of your clients, Revel and Company, on the cover of Stationary Trends. And I remember you sent me like a huge Dropbox of images. And my biggest problem was, was figuring out which one I liked the best. Um, which was not usually the problem. Usually the issue is finding one image I like. And I can, we can, I can remember, like I made our graphic designer mock up like 10 of them. And like we were, you know, like debating which one we'd like better. And so is there anything um, that you've learned about styling products for photography over the years that you think is a common mistake?
1: Um, well, first of all, that cover was like one of the highlights for sure of my entire career. Thank you so much.
0: Um, I love that cover. And
1: and I'm so happy
0: you picked the green one. Yes, and I should add that right now, when I'm inter- when I'm interviewing Erica, she is sitting in front of some bookshelves in her office, impeccably styled with all green books and accessories. <laughs> I want that shelf. <laughs> Just about everything I own is
1: green. It's kind of ridiculous. The desk, which you can't see, is green. Um, <laughs> um, so for styling, um, I would say one of the things I see a lot is people trying to make it to make their composition really perfect like they're trying to line up everything just so and when and invariably something is going to be a little bit off and so your eye is going not just go directly to that thing that's a little bit off so instead i try to incorporate like an organic quality and a movement to the photos so if it's obvious that everything isn't supposed to be perfectly lined up, then if something's a little bit off, your eye is not going to see it
0: right, um, and
1: right. it's just going to embrace the, the whole look. So I would say that like one thing it, that one error I see is people try, trying to be so perfect. Right, um, right. Another thing is people trying to eliminate like completely eliminate shadows, which end up making the, the photo just look completely flat and um, unrealistic. So um, I use a lot of, things might look pretty flat in my photos, but I actually use a lot of little lifts. So just like a little matchbook or like two little, you know, even if it's just like two or three little pieces of cardboard underneath something, just to give everything a little bit of dimension um, and then to add shadows. And I try to incorporate at least one organic Quality or element in, in most of my photos. So, whether that's like, you know, literally a leaf or a flower or a shell or a piece of coral, you know, something that obviously that relates to the subject of the thing that I'm photographing, sure. but try to bring a little bit of nature in. It makes it, it just makes it a little bit
0: warmer to look at and a little bit um,
1: more realistic.
0: Yeah, and and a lot, and literally alive. It has that. It has Mm -hmm. you know the that uh, element, and you know often in your photo. You know often when I review your photos, it's like I look at stuff I take for granted, like that leaf or that twig, or you know whatever it is you put in there. I you look at it a little differently. Like oh wow, she elevated it, and it's just really interesting. Um, I think, you know, within the past, you know, I don't know, decade or so, you know, as minimalism sort of, you know, is a major statement, you know, I saw a lot of photography moving into like these very clean flat lays um, that you mentioned. I really feel like, you know, storytelling is more important than ever now. And that, you know, when you infuse... Um, photography with any sort of narrative element, it just makes it alive and engaging. Um, Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, you've always always sort of seemed to sense this. It took me, you know, a long time working in the industry (laughs) to finally, like, have my Eureka moment. When um, a maker is approaching their line and wanting to tell a story with their product, like, how do you think... um, what do you think is a good way to approach that sort of challenge if they're not used to thinking that way?
1: Um, it's actually, it's a lot like what I learned in journalism school and writing is um, to know, know your audience. So when you, when I, when I um, am photographing, uh, let's say a birthday card, I think about not only who that birthday card is for, but who's it's more important who's buying that birthday card. So who's you know what that person that's buying that birthday card? What are they like? What are they doing? Are they writing it, you know, in the backseat of the car really quick? Are they, you know, at their, you know, beautiful style desk? Are they at their vanity? Like, you know, what's going on in that person's life? And then I try to I do this a lot with Revel and like pull in props that relate to the person who's writing the card. Um, yeah, that's, that's incredible. A bit, it's a little but bit of a story, you know, so like out pulling like a teacup and like a tea bag and um you know, it's not doesn't necessarily have to do, you know, stamps and pens are all as awesome and photos of right, right. stationery, but also like what's going on in that person's life at that moment. So like are they drinking tea? Are they reading a magazine? Um are they on the couch? Is their pet there? Like Incorporating, um, and it doesn't always have to get into the photo, but it helps make it look a little bit more realistic, and then the viewer can imagine themselves. Right, In the suggestion,
0: photo. yeah, 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 the suggestion of an idea, a narrative, um, you know, it, te- it definitely, you know, it tells a story, and it, and it, uh, it grips people, and yeah, like you said, it, it, you know, they relate. Oh, yeah, I usually sit at my desk, and I like to, you know, sit down and enjoy a
1: cup of tea while I, you know, write a birthday card, or it can or, also be you know. aspirational too. So, you know, I, I right. saw one. There's one in particular I'm thinking of where it was. um, It was a card, and it was, I think it was a birthday. I don't remember if it's birthday card or thank you card or something. Um, But I was thinking about a a woman who is sitting at her desk, and she's at her vanity, and she's got her jewelry is there, and her lipstick is there, and it's like that's not me in real life. Like in real life, I'm like writing a card, like on the way to the post office. Um, but I wish that I had the time to sit down and have like my little stack of books and my tea and my lipstick is there and I'm getting ready for the party and putting on my pearl necklace or whatever to go um to the event. So, you know, it can be aspirational too. It doesn't necessarily have to be like totally real totally realistic. Cause if it yes. was totally realistic, it would be like styled in the backseat of a car. <laughs>
0: you know <laughs> feel like searching through you know old yeah. emails for that address mailing address and yeah. you know yeah. you know just the a- you know a harried state um <laughs> so i but which could be which could be its own sort of fun one too like dashing off the last minute birthday yeah, card like was, how funny brands,
1: like that would absolutely be perfect
0: you know i can right.
1: think of a couple off the top of my head where i'm like oh you should totally do that, that
0: like how funny is that like getting that card you know like that would be the best idea for a um you know, some sort of product line or promotion, like getting that card to the post office, so we can get to that birthday person in time. Or yeah. you know, like that could be like a really fun sort of uh, story to tell. Um. So, moving on, you you've worked in so many domains of the industry. I mean, you had a brand, you license, you style other brands what um, you have a relationship with Minted where you you know started showing your designs on Minted really, really early on in the platform. Am I forgetting anything you do? Um,
1: I also have, I don't, I'm not doing it now since Alexander, since Alexander, my son Alexander got sick a few years ago and I have phased it out since then, but I also ran a branding. Company. Right, right. So, right. Um, you know, logo design, corporate identity, branding, that kind of right, stuff.
0: Right. Well, I I'm sorry. Um, you know, I I know about Alexander. I, I'm sorry to hear about that. I'm sorry you had to put that aside. Um I know it's difficult for you. What a loss for companies. I would want you to do my logo <laughs> if I was doing a logo again. Cause I feel like you bring a real sort of thoughtful, studied. Uh, perspective to brands. And, uh, you know, I've worked on enough projects where, like, until there's a logo, the idea of the brand is sort of fluid. And I think often when you get that logo is when you're like, okay, we can do this. This is who we are. And, you Mm -hmm. know, that that sort of thing, like getting to that first step, is like a really, really important uh, step.
1: I, I always would tell the clients that I was working with, too, even if they weren't ready, for necessarily a business card or a sticker, um, I would tell them, let's just do like a really small order. Let's order 25 business cards because once they get that printed thing in their hand with their logo on it and their name on it, invariably it's like this light bulb moment for them and like, this is real. Like it's right, and it's, right. it's that emotional connection that then the client gets with their own brand That's I found really powerful.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Like I when mean, I was
1: doing weddings, like when when the couple would get their invitations, um, they're like, oh, this is really happening. <laughs> you know?
0: Right. Right. It doesn't seem real until mm-hmm. you see it in print. I got to say, I I look at proofs of every issue of the publication and uh, we do everything. We made the transition a long time ago to everything is digital. Um and the book still does not seem real to me until I actually get the physical copy and I get Absolutely. it in, in my hand. Like it's it's just an abstraction while it's on um, the screen. You obviously have your hand in like so many domains in our industry. Like, what is really resonating uh, for you now? Like, what are you what are you working on that you're most excited about? Um I
1: I'm most excited always about Christmas. <laughs> um I I I it's most of what I do these days is licensing um and most of that is for holiday. Um but recently just like within the past year or so I started to think about how I can use a lot of the art that I already have. I mean I have hundreds of variations of a Christmas tree. That I've drawn. Um, like how can I use that for other things um, other than stationery, other than a photo card, other than um, you know a Christmas card or Christmas wrapping paper. So um, I started thinking about that and kind of tested the waters with some drop ship um, items last year like mugs and drinking glasses and I really enjoyed doing that and so now I am designing a collection I don't have a client. I don't have, you know, it's not for a partner. Um, I'm just designing it and hope, hoping that somebody will see it and, like and want to produce it because I'm not producing it because I don't want to have inventory ever again the rest of my life. <laughs> but I'm designing... Um, holiday or winter kind of themed tabletop items so dishes and glasses and napkins and tablecloths and things that not necessarily disposable i mean i'd be okay with that too but i'm thinking more something that you keep and you use like for a whole season not just you know i don't want it to be like super fancy and precious that you just use it on christmas eve or
0: new year's day
1: Um, something that you would you know use for like maybe six months
0: That's, I think that's great. I mean, it was so funny as you were explaining it. I was like, she better do textiles. Like (laughs) thinking to myself, like it's gotta be on a tablecloth and, Mm -hmm. you know, runners and, um, I could totally and trivets, you know, Mm -hmm. I could totally see that. But I think there's also, um, you know, for years, the, you know, the holiday decor market was growing. Um, I do think There is like a nice space for like holiday keepsakes that come out every year. Um, I'm, I'm out, I'm Jewish, uh, but my, (laughs) my dad's second wife, uh, was, was like, um, celebrated Christmas just in in what I think of as like the Martha Stewart molds. Like she really went all out, mm-hmm. and um, and it was like quite an experience for me. I, I, they married when I was like six, so it was like a whole new world for me. But I can remember being very excited seeing the same stuff appear every year. Like I remember she had a Christmas skirt she used to wear on Christmas, <laughs> and it was like a white felt and it had a little Christmas tree applique on it. And like, I think there's real space in there for keepsakes, for people to bring mm-hmm. things out. And especially as you move away from disposable stuff, it really becomes part of the family's heritage. So mm-hmm. I say, go for yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I I personally like to
1: use um, patterned and colorful things on my table. Yeah. So yeah. Um, You know, even if you mix and match it with white, with white or, you know, more solid or plain stuff. Um, But, you know, I don't I'm not really interested in it being something that's like super Christmassy. Like it has. It doesn't have to over the head. Yeah, more seasonal. Um, You know, I, you know, I live in a four generation household. So between my mother, my grandmother and and myself, we have, I don't know, approximately 100,000 sets of dishes. <laughs> so we, because we all love them. So, but we, <laughs> we switch them out every couple months or so. We're like, oh, what are we going to put in the cabinet, you know, for this season? And, um,
0: oh, that's it's, great. It's just I really love fun. Them.
1: And um, I mean, I know that that's not realistic for most people. And that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it and I am going to design some stuff that I want to have myself because, you know, I go out shopping and I see a lot of the same stuff like, you know, Santa's and like a very, what I would consider like almost like retro traditional kind of um, motifs. And I'm looking for something personally that's a little bit more organic, a little bit earthy, a little bit green. Like not red. Hopefully. Um, hopefully green and not red. Um and so I just I decided to just design it for myself.
0: Right, so right. Why not? I know Do it. To produce it. Do it yourself. If what you want is not out there, just make it yourself. It was like 20. 20- 13, 14, when I started hearing like the following season, like I love the idea of an autumn season. I love the idea of a winter season where like, again, it it doesn't hit you over the head with, you know, a Santa or a, you know, these like um, holiday specific icons, but it's just that vibe and that mood and, Mm -hmm. and, you know. uh, Yeah. It's like the pumpkin spice latte, right? Like You know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly which is now an apparently an official american season (laughs) yes it is pumpkin spice latte season so something i also wanted to ask you about i just saw you mention it like in passing on facebook i know um you you know you're all about holiday right now but you do several invitation wedding invitation suites on minted and you said something in passing like one of your suites was your top selling design on minted do, do i have
1: that right not well no not exactly my personal best selling not best right, not deep no not all minted that would no be no amazing. no your
0: of your yeah, yeah. of your stuff it was yeah. a but it's a it's a uh, wedding invitation it was a wedding invitation suite is that right 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 so to me i got really excited when i saw that cuz to me that means okay people are planning weddings again yes uh, um, are you see? Are you seeing that? Absolutely. I would say
1: since um, I would say in last week of March or sorry, last week of February, first week of March, all, it was like the switch got turned back on and I'm seeing not just save the dates, but I'm seeing in, like actual invitation suites um, coming through almost every day now um, wow. through, through Minted. So people are buying the invitations with the reception card and the RSVP card. Whereas I would say since, you know, obviously, because of the pandemic, all that slowed down. And so I was getting like, save the date kind of orders, or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I forget what they're calling it, like refresh the date or hold the date or, you know, like, like, postpone the date. (laughs) Hold, please. (laughs) <laughs> We're getting, I was getting those kinds of orders, um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, and the orders are, you know, for, they're not just like 20 invitations. People are ordering 50, 75, hundred. So people are planning and I would say people who are ordering their invitations now are most likely looking at like July, June or July weddings.
0: Mm-hmm. Tw- um, 20,
1: 21, Oh, wow. No, I think people are, planning and i think you know many of them might be people who had to postpone
0: last year i mean it's got to be i can't help but help but feel bad for all the brides who
1: like we're getting ready to to make that plunge (laughs) what a logistical nightmare too and then you know
0: like it's not stressful enough getting married (laughs) Like, let's just throw a global pandemic into the mix. Just throw the chance of death at your your party. (laughs) You thought your mother-in-law was bad. (laughs) What do you think, like, pulled that magical switch at that time? I think it
1: was the vaccine news. That's awesome. I think that's what it was. So I think, you know, around February, they were um, vaccinating. They were starting to vaccinate people who are not just healthcare workers. And mm-hmm. I think once once it started, people are like, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's still maybe a little bit optimistic to think that you can have a regular, you know, ballroom type wedding in June. But okay.
0: um, I haven't got any invitation. <laughs> the, but the <laughs> But the chances are a lot better than they were, you know, six months ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've also heard, the other thing I've heard is like the micro weddings, the micro wedding trend. Mm -hmm. You might have a couple different events now for, you know, 20 people at each. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really exciting Mm -hmm. to hear. I'm, I'm really heartened by it. I'm working on, I'm just starting to work on my summer issue of Stationary Trends. I One of the articles is like, our wedding's coming back. So now I want to interview you that for that. Right. Well,
1: I'd be happy to talk with you too. I mean, I as you know, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, I don't know what the stats are now, but for a while we were, Charleston was the number two wedding destination in the United States, um, number one being Disney. So, which I think doesn't really count. Like, that's not, like, that's not the same as a destination. So, anyway, that's more of a mindset. That's more of a mindset. Right,
0: right. right. That's more of, like, a passion. (laughs) That's gotten a little out of hand. So, Charleston
1: being one of the top destinations for weddings, obviously the wedding industry was hit super hard here. Um, But... As of a couple of weeks ago, our governor announced that all of the restrictions were gone completely for gatherings. So it's perfectly hundred percent legal at, you know today to have an event with 500 people. Wow. Whether that's prudent or not, like you know, I don't think that's a good idea, but it's legal. <laughs> and so it's happening like the weddings are starting to happen again
0: here already. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of feels about that. I mean, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot to unwrap, but if I was going to do a destination wedding, I would pick Charleston because I, you know, you guys have, I mean, there's so much, there's so much there to love. I mean, uh, the weather, the proximity of the sea, the, Mm -hmm. the classic, just I don't I don't know what to call it, the layouts of all the squares. It's very beautiful. There's lots of
1: parks and little um, pathways and little secret passages and um, oh, little, it's, it's really troubling. it's really char- it's charming. I mean, I would say if you had to say Charleston one word, it's charming.
0: Wow. I mean, I've been stuck in Cleveland for over a year now. I'm ready to pack my bags. Anytime Come we in- have a guest room. Ah, Thank you. And I know you have enough China (laughs) to feed me. (laughs) So your birthday overlaps, um, not surprisingly, um, with the old dates of National Stationery Show, uh, the second week of May. And so your rather small but um, really exclusive birthday gatherings evolved into something much bigger, paper party. Um, But obviously your birthday is still May 19th. Um are you still are you going to do a zoom paper pee party this year? <laughs> um that is an excellent idea.
1: <laughs> Maybe. And if I do, you will be the first to get an invite.
0: But I am more excited to see everybody in person. I it was weird when we were preparing for this interview um it came up like when did when did I last see you? I we walked um um, new york now in february 2020 together so it's been just over a year uh, since right. we've hung out so hopefully in 2021 fingers crossed we can like meet up and walk a couple rows together and i would
1: love
0: um, that i would you know, love that me too me too well thank you so much uh for coming to the paper fold and hopefully our puzzle will cross in person soon thanks so much sarah Thank you so much, Erica, for coming by the paper fold. And thank you so much for listening. As always, email me at, sarah at thepapernerd.com with anything I can do for you. And if you are liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave me a good rating and review. I can't tell you how much that helps. Thank you so much, paper peeps. Please stay well.